Arizona State's regular season has barely been over for a week, and already this has been proven to be a wild and interesting affair. And as a disclaimer, when we talk about an offseason, it probably should be in parentheses because as I'm recording this podcast, we're still awaiting the postseason fate of the Sun Devils. So their season is not over by any means, but there's obviously a breaking point, if you will, between the regular season and the postseason. And that is one where we find ourselves discussing a lot of topics in terms of players and perhaps even assistant coaches turnovers. Obviously, the 2022 recruiting class, which has a signing period, which is just less than two weeks away. There is definitely no shortage of topics to discuss when it comes to ASU football. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's get this thing started. I was living in a devil town. I didn't know it was a devil town. Oh, Lord, it really brings me down about the devil town. Welcome to the Devil's Junkies Podcast. I'm your host and devilsdigest.com publisher, Hode Rubino. Before we get to the off the field topics when it comes to the Sun Devils, let's just discuss for a couple of minutes the 38 to 15 Territorial Cup that took place over Arizona last Saturday in Tempe. Arizona State records its fifth straight win over its in state rival, a feat that has not been achieved since 1969 when Arizona State was in the midst of a nine-game winning streak, and many will tell you that with the direction these two programs are trending in these days, that historic winning streak just might be matched later on this decade. But when I look at this game, I think it really was a microcosm of the entire 2021 season. We've seen a lot of ASU contests where one side or even both sides of the bowl really come out slow out of the gates. Now, in some cases, when you play a team like Arizona or even University of Washington a couple weeks ago on the road, you can get away with that performance and engineer what seems to be right now a trademark second half comeback by Arizona State and put games such as those in the W column. Yet when you played against stronger opponents like Washington State and Oregon State, those games did not end in your favor. So it definitely definitely is a matter of the caliber opponent that, that, that you're facing and what you can or cannot withstand, for lack of a better term. You know, once again, we saw an offense that sputtered in the passing game. Uh, Jaden Daniels uh, has passed uh, for less than 100 yards in two of the last three contests. Uh, For the entire month of November, he did not have a passing game for over 200 yards. And even with, by and large, a strong running game each week, uh, that proved to be an issue in some cases. Uh, Once again, we saw a great ground attack that uh, really was over-reliant on their running back, Rashad White, and we'll talk about perhaps the ramifications of that later on when we address uh, personnel changes in each and every position. It really is a one-dimensional offense that was definitely prevalent uh, in the month of November, and I would say even for large stretches of the 2021 season as a whole. Now, when you talk about one-dimensional offense, I think that's exactly what the Sun Devil defense did force the Wildcats last Saturday afternoon. Uh, Sure, Arizona quarterback Will Plummer more than doubled his average during the season, passing for a career-high 346 yards. But with a non-existent rushing game to complement it, we saw a lot of bend-but-not-break moments by the ASU defense, especially in the first half. If you recall, Arizona was able to uh, travel to the red zone three times in the first half alone, but ended up with with three field goals. So again, when you talk about 
a slow start uh, by the ASU offense, only scored 14 points in the first half. That's an example of having a defense that's able to able to complement you in that in that regard. The ASU defense was able also to create uh, two key turnovers uh, in the second half, a forced fumble by uh, Jack Jones, which was recovered by Tyler Johnson in the one-yard line, uh, did end up being a quick uh, score in the ensuing possession for ASU. And speaking of Jack Jones, in his last ever game at Sun Devil Stadium, maybe even last game in an ASU uniform, the super senior had an 87-yard interception for a touchdown, which really was the icing on the cake of this victory. So ASU ends a regular season at an 8-4 and four record, and I know that during quote-unquote normal times, we wouldn't talk about that regular season record being disappointing. It's not a mark that we see often, by and large, when you look at the whole history of recent ASU football teams, but it definitely was a disappointing and underachieving season. I've been covering the team for 21 years. And I can tell you that this is definitely the most talent that I've seen from top to bottom on both sides of the ball in my tenure as an Arizona State beat writer. And this is definitely the most talented team since the 1996 team that did play uh, in the Rose Bowl. And ASU at one point uh, was all poised to make that return to the Rose Bowl after 25 years. And obviously things did not go their way, so chances are they are going to meet a Big Ten opponent in the postseason, but it won't be in Pasadena, but rather in Las Vegas. We're expecting a bowl announcement uh, to come Sunday, probably early afternoon, around uh, 1 o'clock if you want to tune in to that. Again, when you when you look at the 2021 season, I thought the Territorial Cup did a, a great job, for good or for bad, really encapsulating what we really saw the entire year and really just describing the Arizona State team to a T just by that performance we saw Saturday afternoon against Arizona. So now that I put a bow on Arizona State's regular season finale and really the regular season as a whole, now we're looking at an offseason where you have a somewhat significant talent drain that's going to go into the 2022 year Some players have exhausted their eligibility even after being granted one more year to play uh, because of the COVID eligibility freeze. You also have players that may have one or two years of eligibility remaining and still deciding to enter the 2022 draft. And conversely, you have players now that maybe you weren't so sure if they would or would not stay in Tempe, and some of them have made announcements to that effect. So let's just examine position by position to see who we know is coming back, who we know is not going to be here in 2022, and what are our overall expectations for the personnel picture in each and every position. So obviously we're going to start with the most important position on a football team, the quarterback position. I'm not saying it was crystal clear that starting quarterback Jenny Daniels was going to leave the program. I don't know if the fact that his numbers, especially touchdowns and interceptions, 10 and 9, versus what he did record his first years at ASU were going to be the crux of him leaving or the, or staying in the program. But there definitely was some chatter. And ultimately, head coach Herm Edwards really had Jaden Daniels back, really wanted him, maybe from a loyalty perspective, to be the quarterback in 2022. And Jaden Daniels, I think, had a mutual feeling. He never felt like he was being pushed out by ASU. Now, it is true that ASU was pursuing 
Oklahoma transfer quarterback who played locally here in Phoenix, uh, Pinnacle, Spencer Rattler. So I'm not saying that ASU wasn't exploring any options whatsoever, but uh, ultimately um, Rattler coming to ASU was something that was there as a narrative for two two days, if you will, and and then just uh, went away as quickly as it came to light. And Jaden Daniels decided to stay at Arizona State, and I think that really helped a lot of uh, players on the team, namely wide receivers, to make their decision. Uh, there was some chatter about L.V. Bunkley Shelton and Johnny Wilson possibly leaving. Both of them declared through social media that they're staying too. So, yes, this is a passing game that definitely needs a lot of repair going into the 2022 season, and it will do so with their returning quarterback and seems like the whole returning group of wide receivers. Now it's a question who the offensive coordinator is going to be, but we'll talk about that in a few minutes when we examine the assistant coaching positions. Staying with the skill players on offense, and the biggest news when it comes to transfer portal was the fact that ASU lost their running back, DeMonte Chip Trainum, to the transfer portal. And it's been uh, well-documented that uh, his number of carries went down considerably compared to last year. And Rashad White, if you recall, there was a two-game stretch. We actually carried the ball for 60 times and train him in that stretch, only carried the ball for nine times. So the disparity was definitely there. I'm not oblivious to the fumbling issues that train him uh, did have in a couple of games, but I also feel that when you do have too much of the onus being put on one running back, uh, that is not really conducive for success in the long run, not really creating a healthy environment in your running back room. And I think Trainum is a running back that has proven himself last year and did prove himself at stretches this year as well. Again, I'm not saying that his funding issues should be ignored, but I also don't think it really merited the disparity that did take place. So even though Trainum was absolutely going to be the starting running back in 2022, because as we know, Rashad White did declare for the NFL draft and also said that he's not going to play in the ball game. Trainum definitely got the message that ASU was going to pursue a running back in the transfer portal and really have this be a heated competition and not have him as the shoe-in starter for the season opener in 2022. That obviously rubbed Trainum in his camp the wrong way, and now he's in the portal. So ASU right now has the predicament of having only one scholarship running back to their disposal, Dan Ongada, somebody that if you listen to me in previous podcasts or just read uh, what I write on devilsdigest.com or in the premium message board, know that I'm, I'm very high on that running back, and I think he can do a great job. But now being the prime running back in the Sun Devil backfield, that's a role that uh, he never came close to assuming, and I'm curious to see how he does uh, in the ball game. Is he going to get some kind of uh, reinforcement, if you will? If you recall, in the 2019 Sun Bowl, when Eno Benjamin skipped the ball game to prepare for the NFL draft, ASU really had to ask for the services of wide, then wide receiver Kyle Williams to uh, be the de facto running back in that contest. Didn't really work all that great for ASU. It was a bad day for the offense overall. So uh, it'll be interesting to see 
what happens with ASU's ground attack that really has been the bread and butter, obviously, of this ASU offense all year long, now maybe taking a step back to a passing game that has a lot to prove to begin with, and maybe that's going to be the focal point in the postseason for the Sun Devils. If you ask me, that's probably the most intriguing aspect of this postseason game coming up for ASU at the end of December. And just to round out the discussion on the personnel matters on the offensive side for ASU, we know that uh, Kellen Deesh, the left tackle, has exhausted his uh, eligibility. So when you talk about the Sun Devils absolutely needing to do a great job adding players from the transfer portal because the recruiting class from the high school and the junior college ranks is expected to be fairly small compared to years past. You also have the possibility of center Donovan West, who has been mentioned at least by ESPN as a top 10 center draft prospect, maybe leaving the team. Uh, That is something that remains to be seen, obviously much less certain when you compare it to somebody like Deesh. So we'll we'll see what happens over there at tight end. Uh, Curtis Hodges has exhausted his eligibility, so that's another position where ASU is probably going to turn to the transfer portal to fill the fill that position right away. As you know, Curtis Hodges and Jalen Conyers' backup were involved in a car accident late during the regular season after practice, and Conyers has not played in the last couple of games. He should be okay to go for the bowl game, and I think chances are Curtis Hodges might play there too. But again, going into the 2022 season, the tight end position is uh, definitely one that uh, does need some reinforcements, a position I expect the transfer portal really to supply the additions more than the recruiting class itself. Moving over to defense, uh, both DJ Davidson and Tyler Johnson already declared that 2021 will be their last season in a Sun Devil uniform. Time will tell if they will or will not play in the ballgame, but those are two players that are moving on the good news is that those are the only two players that are moving on. So I understand on the one hand, you have two established starters, two proven players in this conference that are not going to be here next year. And those are some pretty big shoes to fill. But Jermaine Lolay, the three technique defensive tackle who suffered a tricep injury during fall camp and did have to miss the entire season. So having him back, I think, really does stabilize the front four with some of the losses that it's going to endure. So to have a player of the caliber of Lole come back, a player that definitely was expected to declare for the NFL draft under normal circumstances is a big, big boost. When you look at the ASU linebacker core, I expect the entire starting three of Kyle Sole, Darren Butler, and Merlin Robinson to be back. So you just look at the front seven, really having most of the cast of characters returning in 2022. So if anybody's looking for a reason for optimism for the upcoming year, I would say that the amount of proven players are still going to be on this team next season is definitely one aspect that in a positive way does make ASU different than perhaps a lot of other teams in its division and in its conference. So a good foundation for this side of the ball to build on in 2022. Now, when it comes to the defensive backfield, we knew even coming into the 2021 campaign that all four starters would would exhaust their eligibility. DeAndre Pierce and Evan Fields at safety, Jack Jones and Chase Lucas at cornerback. So this is definitely a position group where 
somewhat younger players, I would say, especially at safety rather than cornerback, are really going to have to step up. And I'm really curious to see how ASU is able to fill the voids, especially at safety, because when you talk about positions that the Sun Devils absolutely have to hit a home run, not even just a triple, in the transfer portal, I would put safety right up there with offensive tackle. So if the safety position is not adequately filled in time for the 2022 opener, then that definitely could be an Achilles heel for this side of the ball for ASU. Moving on to the ASU assistant coaches and changes that we may or may not see, obviously the talk right now as I'm recording this podcast is naturally offensive coordinator Zach Hill, who for the last 24, 48 hours has been mentioned as the top candidate for the opening at at Auburn for the same exact position. As some of you guys already know, Brian Harson, the head coach at Auburn, was the head coach at Boise State when Zach Hill was the offensive coordinator over there for the Broncos. So you have the obvious connection over there. But more than that, suffice to say that the Hill offensive scheme here in Tempe did not really suit Jaden Daniels. Now, I've said it many times on my premium message board, and I'll say it over here in the podcast, it takes two to tango. So I don't think that Zach Hill was always that effective in tailoring his scheme to Jaden Daniels' skill set. But on the other hand, I also feel that Jaden Daniels uh, should have probably showed the development that you expect to see from a quarterback wrapping up his third year at ASU and really have him adapt to what Zach Hill is, is trying to do. So it's been a bumpy relationship, if you will, for the last couple of years. And as we all know, 2020, shortened four-game season. Zach Hill was first year on the job. There's only so much you could expect him and Daniels to achieve, perhaps, from a success level. But now in 2021, the expectation was that the sense of familiarity between both was at a greater level, that... Jaden Daniels had all those wide receivers really coming back, also had the addition of Brian Thompson, the transfer from Utah, and that this is a passing game that I was going to say blow away the numbers that it put up in 2020, which are very modest, but probably have better numbers that you could legitimately look at those stats and say you have a more balanced office here in Tempe. And case in point, uh, in 2020, the Sun Devils had 65% of their offensive plays coming in the form of rushing attempts. Now, that might be still a low number for somebody like Navy, for example. But nonetheless, uh, that is still a, too high of a number, especially in a Pac-12 conference. So you were expecting that number maybe to drop 10 spots to 55-45 run pass for ASU. But... Because of the struggles of the passing game, we find ourselves at the end of the regular season having that distribution be 61% of ASU's offensive plays coming on the ground. So the passing game issues really have not been fixed. And maybe that's one reason why some ASU fans wouldn't be too brokenhearted if Zach Hill did actually move on. Now, I know there's some fans, in fairness, that also aren't too crazy about Jaden Daniels coming back because the numbers that he did put up in the regular season are definitely anything but eye-popping. And again, after the 2020 season, there was an expectation that Jaden Daniels would be able to come close 
to his freshman form where he passed for over 2,900 yards, had uh, only two interceptions, 17 touchdowns. But right now, having over 2,200 yards, 10 touchdown passes, and nine interceptions uh, are definitely sticking out for all the wrong reasons. And as mentioned, I think it really goes hand-in-hand with Zach Hill and not being able to be on the same page to come to some kind of middle ground, for lack of a better term, and make sure that the scheme can be adapted to Jaden Daniels' skill set, but also Jaden Daniels developing a skill set that would allow him to run this offense in an effective manner. So I don't know if Jaden Daniels staying in Tempe, which that is etched in stone, is really causing Zach Hill to look to greener pastures, but I don't think it's something that should be considered out of the equation. So as I'm recording this podcast, there's still a lot of chatter about Hill being the prime candidate for the offensive coordinator opening at Auburn. There's also been talks, by the way, that he's in the conversation at Nebraska, although I don't think he is as high in the totem pole, if you will, compared to his position with Auburn right now. So we're seeing to see if by the time you listen to this podcast, if Hill is not already the offensive coordinator for Auburn. Time will tell. When we look at defensive coordinator Antonio Pierce, I don't know if it's so much of a mystery whether he will or will not be on the staff in 2022. There's a lot of factors coming into play over here, and I detailed all of that in my premium message board, The Devil's Huddle. I would just say in general, ASU fans, just be prepared for any scenario to happen. Honestly, I'm not going to be surprised with whatever unfolds when it comes to Pierce. I think it's more likely that it's going to come after the first of the year rather than before the ball game, let alone before the signing period. But we will see what does happen over there. As far as the other position coaches on the team, I would just say that the only thing to look out for is obviously the fact that you do have three interim position coaches, Donnie Henderson with the defensive backs, Bobby Wade with the wide receivers, Justin Wood with the tight ends. And those are probably the positions that you would first and foremost look for a possible change just because of the interim title that's still attached to each of those individual names. And it's not out of the question that we would see changes over there. Again, much like Pierce, I think it's going to, something that's going to happen after the ball game and not before it. But that is something that you possibly want to be on the lookout. I'm not expecting a whole lot of movement with the other position coaches I did not mention. But this is college football. Never say never when it comes to the uh, employment future of of a coach. You never know what the team is thinking. You never know what the coach himself is thinking in terms of their prospects in 2022. So I don't know if Zach Hill, which seems to be maybe a very strong possibility right now to Auburn, would be the only change when it's all said and done. Or could we see literally half of this coaching staff, for one reason or another, turnover for the 2022 season? So this really goes back to my earlier point, Sun Devil fans. Uh, it's been a wild quote-unquote off-season, and we're not even one week in. The news is only going to hit heavier and harder in the weeks and months to come, so that's why you want to make sure that you're a part 
of my premium subscriber community at devilsdigest.com. We would love to see you in our Devil's Huddle, our premium message board, where there's just a lot of chatter about a lot of different topics. So why not join us over there and be part of the discussion? So that'll do it for this episode of the Devil's Junkies podcast. Thank you again for so much for tuning in, and I hope you have a great weekend. I was living in a devil town didn't know it was a devil town Oh Lord, it really brings me down About the devil town